What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, we are now at five straight losses for the Buffalo Sabres coming off of a tough loss to the Washington Capitals in which Alex Ovechkin unsurprisingly scored again, moving up the leaderboard, passing Brett Hall on the NHL all-time goal leader list. Who? Never heard of him. Some huh, random must guy. Must be a guy from know. the the way back when times. Mm. Yeah, I think it's uh, Hall, like H-A-L-L, you know, like a hallway. I, I, I've never heard of him. Though. Oh, he's probably like Taylor Hall's like great grandpa. It could be. It very well could be. But yes, Taylor, another disappointing loss. Dustin Tokarski was in net for the Sabres. 25 saves, but again, it was not enough against the Capitals team that flat out overpowered them. And one of the things that really stuck out to me in this game, and it's certainly been a trend, but for them not having the talent to keep up with a team like Washington or most other teams in the league, if they're not playing that brand of hockey where they are just going balls to the wall and skating their asses off all night, then they're screwed. And I think that that is especially the case for uh, one player in particular, Mr. Rasmus Dahlin. We can get to him in a minute, but just curious your thoughts from the game. What were some of your key takeaways? Well, we lost, they lost five, three, which is a little different because if it was last year, it probably would have been five, two. These, uh, these games against the teams that were in our division last year kind of give me PTSD. And when it's a, a game like this, where the Sabres look kind of listless, I mean, they played okay, I guess. A lot of the goals were deflections, I should say, and a lot of stupid stuff happened, but that doesn't really take away from the fact that a lot of that game felt like it could have taken place seven months ago. Mm-hmm. Like, it really felt like one of those games. And uh, yeah, I, the Capitals are better than the Sabres. That much is clear. I guess at least they didn't get completely like dominated and they didn't let the game, like they didn't let the Capitals run away with it. Like they kept scoring and then they were weirdly close. I think Skinner was on the doorstep to make it five, four with uh, like less than a minute left or just around a minute left. That would have been weird. Didn't love, didn't love the game but it was a better effort than their West coast ones had been. Agreed. Yeah. Definitely, definitely agreed. I, I mean, that's really the thing that it kind of keeps coming back to. And we talked about this in our season preview episode, but you know, it, it's hard to necessarily get mad about these games when they lose, because at the end of the day, like we know what this year is, we know what this team is and against Washington, that's just a team that's better than you. The only way that they are going to continue to win games moving forward is not because they're going to out talent another team. It's because they're going to out hustle them and, and, and outwork them. And I know that that sounds like a classic, you know, old school hockey trope, but it's the truth. That's really the big thing that's going to make the difference for this Sabres team moving forward is how consistently can Don Granado get these guys to play the way that they were the first handful of games in the season where granted they weren't playing against better teams, but they were outworking them. And that was leading to them getting goals and getting chances. I, I think it's been pointed out that uh, by our friend, uh, Kevin Knight Rider, that their, their expected goals right now is better than it has been since 2011, 12. But like, obviously the goaltending is, not there. That's starting. To, we're starting to see what the goaltending actually is. I think we've the Sabres have given up an average of five goals in the past five games, and yeah, like you said, there there's a there's not a lot of uh, let's say finishing talent. Exactly. And that, that's what it'll lead you to. I mean, like forty eight point nine expected goals is uh, it's not even good, but it's it's better than what we've seen. So that, like I said, they're not getting killed, 
but I mean, they kind of were getting killed uh, in some of those West Coast games. But maybe, you know, West Coast trips can be tough. That was kind of a long one. So, yeah, yeah. we we do have an interesting uh, set of games coming up, though. Tell the people about them. Well, I'm going on Friday uh, for the oh, first nice. time since February of 2020. I will be in the KeyBank Center. To you see and all Edmonton 45 Oilers. other fans who will be in attendance that night. Yeah, I think I've had more people at my apartment than will be at the game. <laughs> but, well, actually, I'll get to a second point. That may even not be the case. But Connor McDavid's coming to town. I oh, yeah. honestly, I don't remember if I've ever seen the Oilers play in person. I have once, I... and it is just it's unbelievable like his speed is just out of this world i on our last episode i had used the analogy and i i keep thinking about anytime i see a highlight like the dude is is it's prime lebron right now like this guy is so far and away the best in the sport despite the fact that there's so much other high-end talent in the league right now and it is it's a spectacle to watch like it is a it's it's must watch it's just a goddamn shame that he is stuck in the frozen icy tr- tundra of Edmonton. But then again, we live in Buffalo. So here we are. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about it. It's, it's going to be pretty cool. He's on pace for like 160 points. I'm, I'm kind of thrilled. How many points do you think he ends up with this year? He could get 150. I you mean, think if, he's he will? Healthy, if he's healthy, I think he probably does get like 150. He I mean, it's hard to say crazy. like he has to slow down at some point when like, he didn't slow down last year. He had 107 points in 56 games. Now he has to play actual teams, so he won't play at that pace. But if he gets like 140, 150, I mean, have we seen 130 since we've been fans? I'm trying to think. I don't think we have. What did Thornton get, 127 or something like that? Well, I think Kucherov has the post-lockout record. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm thinking of That's like 128. Okay, I knew one of them was around there, 127 or 128, yeah. So – he could get like our first 130 that we've seen because obviously pre lockout that we saw, yikes, it was a miracle to get to 90. Yeah. But he could get the first 130 you've seen. He could get the first 140. And it's not all the question that he gets to the first 150. That's so that'd be really, that'd be really cool, especially because he's been a lot better in his own zone via all the, uh, the fancy stats. So I'm really excited to see him. Just Idol is also, uh, you know, he's a, he's a pretty fun guy to watch. He, he'd be the, the, the big draw on like 26 teams, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think with Edmonton's record, I don't know how much you trust their goaltending, but not a lot down the stretch. Certainly not. Yeah. It's fine for now. This whole season is like, has me thinking like, what if they just held on to Caleb Jones and Ethan bear instead of going for Duncan Keith, they could be an actual cup contender. It's fair to wonder that. That's yeah. definitely fair. I mean, I think everybody knew at the time of the Keith signing that it was a disaster and not, or that it was a trade actually, right? Is it tra- they traded Caleb yeah. Jones? Yeah, that's what I mean. That's everybody knew right away that it was like, oh, Edmonton's doing it again. But now, I mean, just looking at them and just looking at the level that those guys are at, and you're getting some secondary scoring from them now. Between, I mean, you've always had Nugent Hopkins there, but Zach Hyman is seemingly the guy he was in Toronto. You know, I think that there was some legitimate questions when he signed there in free agency this summer, if he was going to be able to, you know, keep being playing at the, the level that he was playing at in Toronto. And boy, has he answered that question off the bat so far. Yeah, for sure. And 
you know, I think that trade though, weirdly, I think you can make an argument Chicago actually lost that trade because that was Chicago getting Caleb Jones and getting freeing up cap space to get Seth Jones. Ooh. Like the whole getting Caleb Jones thing is like Good. pretty obvious what they were trying to do. Yeah, well, obviously, but I mean, yeah, that's actually it's that that's a really really good question, Taylor. Is I the, guess you would also say Chicago wasn't winning the Stanley Cup anyway, so and Edmonton could have. Hmm. Interesting. Darn, horrible for Chicago. Sucks for them. What a shame. Yeah. Hate to see something horrible happen to that organization. Oh, straight darn. to the bin. So, <laughs> so then then they have Toronto. We have when's the last time the Sabres hosted Toronto? It's got to be well more than eighteen months, more than twenty months since they hosted Toronto. I think they hosted them right before. I think they also hosted them in February twenty twenty. I think there was like a like a five three or so Sabres win, and it was like kind of this like shrugging around here, like how do we keep beating them at home? Why do they never win here? Makes no sense. They're so much better than us right now. But that with that and the Canadian border opening, do you think we see a lot of Canadian fans at Edmonton and Toronto? I would think probably more than more for Toronto, obviously, but I would think either way you're going to, because for one, you're going to just get Canadian hockey fans in general. But I mean, you know, we all know being Western New Yorkers, just the amount of Canadian Sabres fans that there are who just live on the other side of the border too. So I would have to think that there's going to be, the the building will be a little bit more filled out. I don't think you're going to sniff 15,000, but I mean, if they've been what averaging about like seven or 8,000, I think, and, yeah. you know, maybe you see that go up to comfortably get above 10, maybe, I don't know. I, I, Toronto, I think definitely you will, but on average, I would say maybe you get a little bit North of 10, but I don't think that they're going to be anywhere close to getting up to like 15 where you got 75% capacity or anything like that. Yeah. I think that that's reasonable. Also, worth noting that Canadian people that come here, they don't have to get tested to come to America. They have to be vaccinated, but to go back to Canada, they have to get a negative test. So I think that probably puts a damper on it a little bit. Interesting. That is a very good point. Yeah. Like not as many, like, for example, we have to get a negative test if we want to get into Canada. And I kind of want to wait till that, that passes. I'm not saying I disagree with it, but it's like getting a test is kind of a pain and also not exactly cheap. No. So Having to drop 70 bucks on that. Yeah, definitely not. Exactly. I, I could see a lot of people being like, oh my God, we're already doing this travel. Uh, we, we already have this big trip. We, we have to buy tickets and um, 10,000 beers each for some reason. Do I want to get a negative test too? Like it just, uh, it, it adds a hurdle that I think will take some people out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, so I think the Savers, and I'd be surprised if they didn't have two losses coming up. Uh, if for no other reason, then they're also dealing with an injury bug right now. A little bit. Yeah, they got lucky at the start of the year where they seem to be kind of fully healthy. And now wheels are falling off a little bit with that. Yeah, we still don't have Metalstat and Yoki Haru back. And I don't even know if we really have a timetable for that. I think Metalstat's getting close. Er, I, definitely before Yoki Haru. But I, I, from what I understand, the timetable on Metalstat is not that far off for him to be getting close to playing again. That's good. So, but now they're also dealing with Olofsson's been out for a few games mm-hmm. and Craig Anderson, which means that there's a chance we see Aaron Dell soon. Or sorry, excuse me, not Aaron Dell. Dell CEO, Michael, Michael Dell. Dell. Michael yes. Dell, yes, of course. 
Yes. Uh, again, again, a I'll... remarkable story that this man has created a second career in playing NHL goaltending, like being an NHL goaltender. It's pretty spectacular of him. Yeah. So we'll see how uh, how he fares. He might be playing Toronto. I think we'll see Tokarski against Edmonton. Uh, I don't think either of those guys are NHL goalies. I mean, nope. Anderson had been slowing down, uh, but I trust Anderson a lot more than those guys. <laughs> um, Isn't the state really... of the Sabres awesome? That were like, yeah, I trust <laughs> Craig Anderson. I want the guy with the AARP card. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, Man. all you can do is laugh. Hey, yeah. can I ask you um, a non-injury related question, but uh, I guess kind of a little bit. Is Rasmus Stalin's brain broken? Well, I think uh, it's clear he needs some kind of uh, sports psychology intervention or something like that because it looks like what he's dealing with isn't really physical. And it's not that different than what he's been dealing with the last couple of years. He looked and that, well, now it's actually a little bit worse, I would say, because when Granado came back last year, he at least started to play with some confidence on the offensive end, but he's not at all being confident right now. And I should say he looked better on Monday night against the Capitals, but he, his lack of confidence right now and his, his defensive play, it's just, it's bizarre. Yeah, I think the thing with Darlene is honestly, I would rather him every single time go down swinging than go down looking. And I think that's the perfect analogy for what his struggles have been because it's not even like he's attacking the game and he's being overly aggressive and he's taking the puck up ice, trying to skate, you know, break it out himself, bring it into the zone, uh, you know, sustained possession in the offensive zone and he's getting burned or he's got a turnover because he tries to deke somebody out and it doesn't work. The guy just does not even has not even seemed engaged by and large. And yeah, I agree that he did look a little bit better against the capitals, but again, we're talking about a pretty low bar here. And so I want him like if, if the rest missed Darlene, not experiment, but like if if Darlene is not going to work, I want to know that because he went out in flames, not because he's this middling defenseman who seems timid with the puck and doesn't really know what to do in his own end. Like I want him to, I want to get mad at him because he's making mistakes because he's trying to create chances, not because he's making mistakes because he's holding back. And that's what it seems like it's been with him. You know, when, when looking at any prospect like that, that's the case, but especially when we're talking about a defenseman who has the offensive prowess of Darlene, it's, infuriating watching him because you know that he has the talent he's got the skill for being a top pairing legitimate offensive defenseman in this league a minutes eating offenseman offensive defenseman I'm not saying you know I I know over the summer the I think you and I both kind of made this point that like we don't need him to be Victor Hedman he does not need to me he doesn't need to be this two-way stalwart in the back end I don't care if he's putting up 60, 70 points, that is right. That's my whole thing. Like he can have these defensive lapses, but if you're, if you're playing at like, you know, uh, a 0.7 point per game pace over the course of the season, I'm not going to get mad at that. That's okay. That's fine. I will take what we can get out of that because at least you are creating offense. You're creating chances. And by and large, being good at offense as a defenseman leads to you being better in your own zone because you're good at getting the puck out of your own end, whether it's by yourself or through your passing ability. And those are two things that Darlene has. We've seen him do this. 
This isn't like this guy is like, you know, a deer in the headlights in his own zone when he's got the puck on his stick, because we've seen him multiple times throughout the course of his career. Actually, multiple is, is underselling it a lot over the course of his career where he is able to just skate by guys or he's able to just deke around somebody or he's able to make a perfect breakout pass to a guy, to a winger on the wall, to a center cutting up out of the zone through the middle of the ice. And he's just not doing that right now, consistently at least. You maybe see, I mean, or at least earlier in the year, we were seeing a few flashes of it. And then it kind of got to a point where it's like, oh my God, we're not seeing any of it. And then now it's this kind of lifeline thing where it's like, oh my God, this guy might be dead. But oh no, he made one good play this period. Wait, maybe there's still something there. It's, I, I don't know whether it is a sports psychologist or like Granado just forcing him to do this, but it's a real problem that, you know, last year, if people wanted to say, Oh, we need to give it time, you know, can't worry about it. I understood that I was one of those people. I am concerned. I know it's early in the year and I'll put it this way. My, my level of concern right now, I would say is, is pretty moderate, but even still being that like moderately concerned about a first overall pick is pretty alarming if we get to like just if we get to the olympic break and he's still playing like this they are going to need to take a long hard look at him as a player as him as a piece of this franchise moving forward and figure out what you're going to do because if it continues to be like this where he's not attacking the game he's not you know, he, he's not a spectacular skater, but the thing is, is, is that his edge work and his hands are able to compensate for that. You don't have to be an incredible skater to, to be an effective defenseman, an effective offensive defenseman too at that. But if we get to that point, you're going to have to really start thinking about that because is there a scenario where you would maybe consider trading him for like another high-end younger player who maybe hasn't found their footing all the way yet? I know it sounds ridiculous. It might, maybe to some people it doesn't, but it's creeping into my mind more and more now that if he is putting the team in a situation where they're having to consider what the long-term outlook of this guy is when he's only what, 21, 22 years old right now. Yeah, he's 21. You're, you're going to have to consider all of your options. I, I don't know. What, what do you, what do you make of it? Well, first I'd, I'd say a lot of people seem to be upset that there's any complaints about Darlene and that's kind of crazy. I mean, there's a lot to complain about, not just with Dowling, but with the team, like people saying that like, he's going to be a new whipping boy. Cause Risto's not here. It's like, well, first of all, I think it's pretty clear now to both us, the people that uh, didn't care for Risto, the people that did like Risto and the fine folks in Philadelphia that uh, Risto deserved the criticism that he got. Uh, second, Dowling is not that exactly, but, Dowling's uh, level of disappointment is it's huge and it his uh let's see uh his ceiling and uh floor as a player the difference there realistic ceiling and floor at this point I mean is there's a huge range of possibilities and that means a lot for the Sabres future uh to, to what you just said there like Dowling again was talked about like defenseman McDavid and obviously that's not true He's that's it has not worked out at all in that way. And he's not even the particularly productive offensively this year. So that, that's, that's, there's problem number one. Uh, and number two, he's playing like poorly, 
but in a different way than Risto. So complaints about Dalene, you know that there's at least conceivably fixable. When we say they both have issues with their brain, they seem to be different. If Dalene had Ristolainen's confidence, I would feel very good right now. He might not have the defensive prowess of a guy to, to be maybe be uh, as good as his draft profiles. Thank you. Uh, I have those from time to time, but yeah, his confidence seems to be like the real issue right now, like on both ends. What, like when he makes those weird plays, like on defense, like I talked about last year, he's just skating backwards directly in a line, like not even seemingly paying it, like not concerned with anything else in the world. I don't feel like that's a, an issue with awareness. It's, it's an issue with him being scared. Like Risto's problem is, I don't want to say it was completely unfixable from the jump. I think good coaching can fix a lot of problems, but his brain did not work the way it was supposed to. I think Tyler Myers isn't even actually that different than Risto. Like the, they didn't have the awareness necessary to be a good defenseman in the NHL. Maybe their brain didn't move as fast as the game moved. That doesn't seem to be a problem with Darlene. The pro- like the problem is like everything you laid out there, but you know, when it comes back to it, like he looks scared to try to make a play. He looks scared to try to make a big pass. He looks scared to make a decision about how he's going to handle, uh, let's say, a two-on-one when he's the defenseman, or how he's going to handle one guy that's coming towards him, tie game, like a minute left in the game. How is he going to handle this forward powering through the zone? It doesn't look like he doesn't know how to do it. It looks like he doesn't know what to do at any time. And I don't know how you fix that, to be honest. I think I'd have to be in the locker room to have a better view on on what they can do for him. But yeah, it a lot of it will go to coaching. This is the most important thing Granado can do this year is kind of get that fixed because the other guys that are young and we like to see in the future, they seem to be developing. Okay. We'd like to see, I'd like to see more offensive. Uh, let's say, mm, I don't want to uh, fortitude. Is that the right word? No, Maybe I get more you. Like I four, totally from I'm talking about Dylan cousins here. No. Yeah. <laughs> that was my other take. I'd like to see like some little bit more like, uh, takeover or like play driving or someone not, not putting the team on his back, but treating yourself like you're the best player in the line when you're in the offensive zone from Dylan cousins, but that's not a huge deal. Maybe that'll come in time. Darlene, that's with everything that we just talked about. That's like issue number one for the rest of the year. You're not making cool. the playoffs. You're, you're like your two goalies are, are never going to play in the NHL again. Probably you, a lot of your team, not a lot, but a decent number of your guys are either guys that are topping out of the bottom six, bottom pairing guys, or defensemen who are probably going to walk after the year. So this is this is your big issue this year. I you bring up a great point too with just people like the the wrist aligning comparisons. It's like people who say that with Darlene, it's like or who get mad about like that, being like, oh, like, oh, he's just the new whipping boy. It's like, do you understand what accountability is? Is that not what we're just talking about here with wrist aligning? why was he the whipping boy last year because he fucking sucked he was so bad repeatedly on a night-to-night basis and it was the same issues over and over and over again hence why fans were bringing up said issues over and over and over again so with and he, Dali, but he also kind of importantly was playing uh legally getting minutes for a while and then eventually well, and that's that but still in the 20s and making five and a half million dollars a year exactly so he wasn't and, just playing poorly like uh, Matt Irwin was well and that's my point is that Ristolainen was this team's number one defenseman last year and for the years prior while he was here too Darlene is 
by and large, stepping into that role, which he should have already been in that po- at that point anyways, but he is stepping into that role. So you're talking about a guy who is stepping into a number one defenseman role, who is a first overall draft pick, who has, after having a stellar start to his career, has full on just pumped the brakes seemingly on his development and how he has looked. And also the production's not there either. So obviously we're going to scrutinize that. He's the prime candidate for us to be scrutinizing, for us to be evaluating because of the fact of his whole profile. This guy is the first overall pick. Of course we have to be hard on him about this. Are you kidding me? I, what, a, what a ridiculous thing to say like, oh, what, a, you know, and, and that even just goes into the whole thing. I had, I had tweeted about this on my personal account too. I, for the life of me, like you Sabres fans out there who are like, why are we all being so negative all the time? Are you kidding me? Like, are you really kidding me right now that you have the fucking audacity to ask why fans are being so negative? When you look at the past 10 years of this franchise, when you look at 90% of the moves that have been made under the Pagula's ownership, I mean, come on. Enough with this blind allegiance to them. This is unbelievable. We are the fifth team in the history of the NHL to be on a 10-year playoff drought that is about to go to 11 years, I might add, too. Okay? We are in a historically bad run right now. You have to try to not make the playoffs for 10 years straight in a league where half the teams make it in. And I understand we are in the midst of another rebuild with all of this. And I know you and I both are fully in favor of what they're doing right now. It was the right move to trade Eichel and Ristolainen. I disagree that it was the right move to train Reinhardt, but whatever. It goes along with the narrative. I'll let it slide. It's not worth hashing out. We've talked about it a million times, okay? I know where we're at. I get it. But there is not one person on this earth who has a rational argument for why we are not allowed to be pissed off and scrutinizing this team right now after everything that we have endured over the past 10 years. Not one person can look me in the face or you in the face or any other Sabres fan and say, no, you should not be mad about this. Or no, you should not be, you know, critical of Rasmus Dahlin like that. Get out of here with that. Okay. I'm, it, it's unbelievable to even suggest something like that. Do you ever want to get out of the cellar? I, I mean, it, it, you know, like all these, the Ristolainen apologists, the Dahlin apologists, everybody. It's like, do you want to ever be good? Or are we just going to keep pretending that because a guy is presented as being a cornerstone of the team that we have to treat them as such? You know, Ristolainen was touted as our number one defenseman. He was not a number one defenseman. He was bad, but they played him as such. I don't have to treat him like that though. It's the same thing with Dahlin. If the guy is not playing up to the standards that, we as fans expect them to, and even more importantly than that, that the organization expects him to, then hell yeah, we should be criticizing the hell out of these dudes. It's infuriating. Like you kind of kind of laugh about it when people do that, because it's like you are so off the deep end that you think that this team in any way should be absolved of of their decision-making or their mistakes or what have you. But in reality, like when you think about it for a little bit too long, like, it really gets me kind of mad. I have every right for the amount of time, money, emotions that I have invested into this team, not even the past 10 years, but over the course of my entire life 
for somebody to try and say that we're being too critical for getting mad about them while they are in the midst of one of the most mediocre stretches in NHL history, I have zero time for that. And you're just wrong. Sorry. <laughs> I need to get that off my chest. I saw tweets yesterday that just got me so mad. And I was like stewing, reading them. Talk to people saying that stuff. Like it, it, it is infuriating, this blind allegiance. Oh my God. It's, ugh. Let's talk about something else or something. You, you can keep going. Do you have any thoughts on my temper tantrum I just threw there? Well, speaking of something else, let's talk about <laughs> DraftKings. Oh, my God. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. What do they win? What, what are they? What is it? Uh, you win uh, $100 in free bets. And something about a, a dinner, though, right? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't, a dinner? That doesn't really ring a bell. <laughs> but is it a, a dinner of a, let's say, poultry variety? Yes, of a, of a victorious poultry variety. That would be correct. Well, that sounds right. Victory, victory, poultry dinner. Okay. <laughs> um, if oh Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All so, right. Welcome back. Yeah. Uh, I have a quiz. We haven't done a quiz in a few weeks. Let's do it. No, we didn't we just do one? No, we didn't do one. Remember? Because I was like, I have a quiz idea, but you're like, we should just talk about Eichel for this episode. And I was like, yeah, good idea. So I thought, well, well, obviously not for the Monday one, but I thought we did one last. All right. Anyways, though, let's, let's do see. Uh, I don't have a quiz written down here. What was so. the one we did before that was, oh, the head coach one. Wasn't that like last week? Yeah, it might have been. Uh, anyway. Oh, I have one point. I think that was last Monday. Okay, last Monday. I just want to say one last thing. It was wrong of me to um, suggest Rasmus Dahlin's brain is broken because of the fact that I think all of our brains are broken, especially yours and mine, that we are now in our third year of hosting a Buffalo Sabres podcast. And for all of our wonderful listeners, thanks for just being broken with us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, and I, I'd like to know that this is the fifth year we've been talking about the Sabres in podcast format overall. God. Oh. How about that? It's so something. what are we what so are we quizzing? What are we what's last, our quiz today? Last week, me, you and I went and saw a movie together. We did. That's right. It was Boss Baby Seven. I was gonna say John Carpenter's the thing re-released <laughs> uh, with Ray Romano as the titular character. Oh my god. 
but unfortunately, no, we did not see that. <laughs> we saw The Eternals, uh, which was a movie. So I have a, an, an MCU-themed quiz. Oh, cool. Marvel Cinematic Universe. So here's the quiz. I'm going to give you an MCU movie and an NHL player. A lot of these guys are sabers, you'll notice. You have to tell me what's, what is higher. That MCU movie's domestic gross in millions of dollars, so America only, or that player's career point total. Oh, my God. So let's say these are two that aren't on here, right? This now. is an awesome quiz. I just want to, like, preface <laughs> us doing this by saying I'm probably going to do horribly on this, but I'm really excited. Yes. Just for example, so if anyone wants to play at home, let's say I was I gave Brendan the first Iron Man movie, uh, which I don't have on here, and also, I don't know, Tyler Myers. And let's say that Iron Man movie made $250 million and Tyler Myers has 251 career points, theoretically, then Tyler Myers would be higher. So, oh, this is going to be all just just throwing darts. I have this. I'm. I don't think. Well, I, I, I think you can that. gauge the popularity of the movie and how what kind of career the player had. Okay, but all right. I got to be honest; these are all kind of close. So, for starters, Endgame versus Corey Perry. Oh boy! All right, so we're saying. Um, career point total versus however many it made yep. in millions you said, right? Yep. I'll go Endgame. Yes, Endgame domestic box office eight hundred fifty-eight million, the second highest grossing movie in American history. Let's go, uh, Corey Perry, eight hundred nineteen points. Wow, that was really close. Holy shit! Yep, I actually would have thought he had more if you would have asked me, but. I would have probably not. thought around there, just like a little bit south of a thousand. Yeah, not gonna get there to a thousand. No, he? what's he have? Probably about four hundred goals. Is it pretty evenly split between goals and assists? He's under four hundred goals, so he's a few more assists than goals. Wow, but yeah, it's rel- okay. relatively evenly split, though. Interesting. Yeah. So next we have Black Panther versus Jason Pominville. Wow. Imagine that fight. Two goats right there. Um. Uh, I'll go Black Panther again. Marvel. It is uh, actually Jason Pominville. Really? Yeah, Pominville has 727 career points. Black Panther has $700 million in gross, uh, which actually second highest grossing MCU movie. That's why I thought it would have been above, but hey, man, Jason Pominville is no joke. I respect it. It's true. All right, Infinity War versus Craig Ramsey. Oh. Craig Ramsey played his whole career with the Sabres in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to keep the trend going, but this one I actually do feel like it's got to be Infinity War. It is, uh, but just barely. Infinity War, $678 million domestically, and Craig Ramsey had 672 points. All right. All right. Next, we have Age of Ultron versus Don Luce. Age of Ultron and Don Luce. Um, hmm. Let's go Don Luce. Don Luce is correct. He had 553 Ooh. career points. Age of Ultron grossed $459 million domestically. All right. All right. The Avengers versus Derek Roy. Now, who wins in a fight? The Avengers. 
who could drink more also the avengers but who hit on more uh underage women on chippewa redacted answer i was gonna say we were talking about (laughs) stds between the avengers and derrick roy (laughs) parody this is all parody (laughs) derrick roy is the iron man of never mind um (laughs) (laughs) oh my god um let's go avengers that's correct avengers uh Grow 623 million and Derek Roy had 524 career points. Damn. Um, yeah, his career was abruptly cut short in his early 30s when he started to suck. Uh, <laughs> next, we have not one of the more beloved MCU movies, but one of the more beloved Sabres on this podcast. It's Iron Man 2 versus Sam Reinhardt. Ooh. Um,. how about samson samson is just missing out iron man 2 made 312 million dollars domestically and sam ryan has 305 career points at the moment but hey give it like a, a month or less I was say yeah it shouldn't be long before he passes that all right we get this one we got uh two things that were uh much more highly thought of five years ago it's dr strange versus cody eakin Hmm. Did you not like Doctor Strange? I liked it five years ago. Well, that's fair, actually. Yeah, I tried rewatching it recently, and I think I got like halfway through it and was like, "I'm gonna do something else right now." Um, yeah, it's kind of a it's, it's a tough hang. It's a, I think the next one's gonna be really good. I mean, it's setting up to be really good, at least with Wanda in it and everything. I think it's gonna go a little crazy, and especially after Spider Man comes out. Is it- is that the one that Sam Raimi's directing? Yeah. Ooh, I wonder if we get some some Evil Dead vibes. There we go. Hey, some zombies. Be. Let's get we weird. Get hey, they, did, they just introduced zombies in the MCU, so very well could happen. Damn. Um, they did? Yeah, dude, you got to watch What If, the animated show. It was really good. Like, Ah, uh, that's not the same. They got to no, do it in the movies. Big screen only. I'm just Otherwise, saying, it doesn't did, count. Did you watch Loki yet or no? I watched... Yes, I watched Loki okay. when it came you out. Watch, or maybe what I if didn't. is actually pretty cool. Like I, I will say, if, like the animation on it's really cool, but also it's just some pretty interesting storylines. There's some filler in there for sure, but like what it leads to at the end is a really, really, really interesting storyline. Um, really cool last couple episodes for sure. Anyway, right, you should though, watch the Evil Dead trilogy. Let's do it together. All right, it's uh spooky. Can't wait. All um, right, so what do you think? uh dr strange or cody eakin this was yep dr strange it's actually cody eakin cody Eakin has 247 career points dr strange made 232 million dollars how many uh 237 47 47 okay yeah uh this one uh it's uh well these guys don't i don't even know how to have i don't think they have anything in common it's the hulk versus mark pizik Wow. I don't even consider the Hulk movie to be a part of the MCU, but I'll go Mark Pesek. Why not? It's actually the Hulk. Uh, the Hulk made $134 million, the lowest grossing MCU movie. Come on. Pesek doesn't have more than 134 career points. He has 94. Wow. Well, yeah, I, guess. I mean, how many years has he played? He's got to be in like his eighth or ninth season, right? Yeah, not a big point producer, except for the time he had a hat trick. Yeah. Uh, 
All right, uh, this one. These guys also have nothing in common. It's a uh, Winter Soldier versus William D. Lander. I like Winter Soldier more than I like William Nylander, so I'm going to go Winter Soldier. It's actually William Nylander. Hmm. He's 274 career points. Uh, Winter Soldier made $259 million. It's funny because I feel like I started this quiz trying to be like very analytical and like thinking through. And now I'm just getting to the point that it's like if I like the player or the movie more, I'm just picking that. So, Well, right now you have four of nine. So if you get the next one, you just go 50-50. Love that. Uh, so this one is Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, versus Sam Bennett. I don't, what do these guys have in common? Uh, um, you don't hear a lot about them anymore. They're both blonde, I guess. Yeah. Right. Uh, they, uh, let's see. They're overshadowed by something that came after them. What is Chris? Wait, what is What's Cap overshadowed by? Winter Soldier. And Sam Bennett? Did Dreidel go after him or did? No, no. he. Ah, shit. I thought he went third and okay. Well, I don't know. Close enough. Anyway, (laughs) Uh, I'll I'll go. No, no. They're overshadowed by things that happened around them, like Iron Man and uh, Avengers, you know, and whatnot. Yeah. Um... Sam Bennett is overshadowed by the other the let other me I, I guess i'll just go captain america i honestly am i have no idea so it is captain america that made 176 oh. million and sam bennett has 163 career points hey that's all right 50 percent from the three-point line is a hall of fame career that's uh that's true from the three-point line sure yeah so i'm saying you know batting 500 in baseball you're the best baseball player of all time yeah I, I would have to agree with that. Well, there we go. Move over, Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds. You guys got nothing on this. Yeah, this is just like playing in the MLB. It's the exact same thing as playing professional baseball, I would say, and basketball for that matter, too. So, sorry, Ray Allen and Steph Curry. Yeah. Anyways, do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share, Taylor, before we sign off? Uh, No, uh, not really. I don't really have a, I'll have a, I got to think of a good recommendation. Uh, for next next time we talk on Sunday. You know what we should do next Wednesday too? And we can kind of just like put this out there to tease it. We haven't done one yet this year, but we should do a mailbag for uh, next Thursday's episode. Yeah, that's a good idea. All right. Well, everybody keep an eye on our social media because we will be having ourselves a mailbag for our Thursday episode next week, but we'll talk about that more on our Monday episode. So we hope you all have a great rest of your week and a great weekend. And we will just say too, make sure you're following the presenters of this podcast, both the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo on their respective streaming platforms, social media accounts, whatever it may be. But make sure you're following us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Up Sabres and on Twitter at Straight Sabres. Once again, we'll be back with a new episode on Monday, everybody. But in the meantime, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon.